0: Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this 112th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests on this episode include co-star and executive producer of the hit paranormal series Kindred Spirits, Amy Bruni. We'll be talking about her new podcast, On It Road. We'll also visit with comedian, voice actor, and writer Becky Robinson as a new Nickelodeon animated series, Middlemost Post. We'll also visit with international wildlife biologist Forrest Galante. Shark Week is available streaming now, including his episodes, Extinct or Alive, Jaws of Alaska, and Mystery of the Black Demon Shark. We'll also visit with actress, director, and podcaster Sarah Wayne Callies about her new podcast, Aftershock. And we'll visit with legendary bass singer Richard Sturbin of the Oak Ridge Boys. They've got a new single, plus his book, From Elvis to Elvira, My Life on Stage. Of course, if you would, please take the time to subscribe, comment, leave some feedback, check out the shop, and share with your friends. Well, a recent study looked into the foods that people think make them feel better. And I know this is going to come as a shock, but almost all of them are not healthy. Milk chocolate is number one food that people think has mood-boosting powers, followed by dark chocolate very closely. Coffee is next, followed by ice cream, chocolate cookies, cake, bananas, tea, berries, pizza, beer, red wine, fries, cheese, and quote, sweets. Now bacon finally pops up at number 18, and then potato chips and other savory snacks and cookies. You know her as co-star and executive producer of the hit paranormal series, Kindred Spirits. Over 20 years of investigative experience leading up to the new podcast, Haunted Road. Amy Bruni on with us today. And first off, Amy, always great to visit with you.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Nice to chat again.
0: Now, Amy, the, uh, the Haunted Road, tell our listeners kind of what the mindset, the thought behind the new podcast was.
1: Well, um, I befriended, I don't know if anybody has heard of this uh, podcast called Lore, but the host, mm-hmm. Aaron Manke, um, he and I became friends over the years, and we just kept trying to think of a of a podcast concept for me, because I'm obsessed with podcasts. And um, we came up with this idea for Haunted Road. And it's basically, you know, a 30 to 40 minute podcast that comes out every Wednesday. And we take a very deep dive into one haunted location with each episode. And so the first half, we talk about history and what could lead up to a haunting at this place. And then the second half, we interview someone who has kind of a close relationship with the location, like the first episode, we talked to Johnny Hauser, who was the caretaker for the Villisca Axe Murder House. And so it's um, it's just a different way to kind of look at some of the history that you might not have known, and then also talk to people and hear about actual experiences people have had there.
0: Now, Amy, whenever you're choosing locations, what, what does it take to make the cut, if you will?
1: Well, it depends. You know, for Haunted Road... Uh, I have so many locations that I've wanted to, you know, over the years I've investigated so many places that this is this has been hard kind of picking what to do for Haunted Road because there's so <laughs> many places I want to show people just a little bit more about the history, um, but as far as like on kindred spirits and in, in picking locations to investigate, you know, there's a, a huge vetting process we have to go through. You know, including interviews and site visits, and um, and obviously just kind of the need for us to be there.
0: And Amy, how have requests or or responses changed over this uh, pandemic period? Have Have people been seeing more stuff?
1: Uh, yes, is <laughs> the short <laughs> answer. Um, you know, it's it's a lot. Um, I, I'm very torn as to whether it's because people are home more and they're realizing that their houses are haunted. They just weren't spending enough time there before this. Uh, Or if it's just kind of the the energy level in the air right now with the stress that everyone is feeling and just how intense everything is. Like, is there something about that change that's kind of triggering activity? I, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both to be honest.
0: Now, has the has the time down also allowed you a a little bit more time to to maybe do some some brainstorming as as you were prepared for the podcast as well?
1: Yes. I mean, I wish I didn't really have downtime. You know, during the pandemic, I wrote a book. I um, obviously started working on the podcast. We filmed two more seasons of Kindred Spirits. And so (laughs) um, I was very busy.
0: You talked about the podcast. You talk about the show. You've got a, a travel company. The the book. I mean, Amy. What when? What does it take to get a slowdown in in your life?
1: Well, right now I'm on vacation. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm actually in Vegas right now with my family. Um, but this is the one bit of work I'm doing. I'm going to you know, chat with people like you this morning because I want to get the word out about the podcast.
0: <laughs> now, you talked about uh, being a fan of podcasting. And, and what do you think it is about the podcast that have made them so popular, especially uh, over this last year? They've just blown up.
1: You know, I know for me, what I love about them is that they kind of transport me somewhere else for a little while. And especially with everything going on, it's nice to just kind of zone out and and listen to someone else and, and think about what they're saying. And it also gives you the opportunity to, um, you know, multitask. I know a lot of people who listen to podcasts while they're working out or while they're cleaning house or, you know, and, and I, I love that about it too. Um, you know, I think it goes for like any kind of radio media. It's nice to have something kind of going on in the background, and I think that's a big part of it.
0: Now, going from the the, the video side of things with the shows, now doing podcasting does does it make it a little easier in the editing time, or, or are you extra extra picky on the on the backside as well?
1: Well, I have a really great production team at iHeartRadio, and so uh, I'm really fortunate in that you know they've kind of held my hand through this process and so it's nice to be able to just kind of record everything and then hand it to them and then they make this they make it into something beautiful you know they produce it with really lovely music and everything so I'm I'm super fortunate in that way because Kindred I'm a lot more involved in the back end of the not I don't edit but we go through all the cuts and and make notes and and revisions constantly. (laughs)
0: Amy, if folks want to not only find more information about Haunted Road, uh, Kindred Spirits, uh, Strange Escapes, the book, all of that, where's the best place to keep up with all of that?
1: I mean, just follow me on social media. I'm constantly chatting about this stuff. So like I'm basically at Amy Bruni on every social media network. And so come find me and um, and, you know, talk to me about this stuff and let me know what you think
0: that's right again the new podcast haunted road find it wherever you find podcasts and uh, of course we do want to mention our friends over at iheart radio as well and amy it is always a privilege to visit with you i hope you have a great rest of your week and look forward to a return visit
1: awesome thank you so much
0: for having me now is there one month of the year that you hate more than every other month Well, most of us do have one, according to a recent poll, but July is not a very common answer. Only 3% of people said July is their least favorite month. That's on par with most months, but four different months stood out. Our least favorite month of the year is January. 19% of people said it's the worst, followed by February at 15%. And third on the list is next month. 10% of adults say that August sucks the most, maybe because it's back to school month. December is 4th at 7%, so not everyone loves the holidays, and March is 5th with 4% of the vote. Now, 26% of Americans don't have a least favorite month, and 2% couldn't decide which one they hated the most. Comedian, actress, voiceover actress. Uh, well, there's so many hats that she's wearing these days. We've got Becky Robinson on with us. First off, Becky, I appreciate you taking some time to visit with us. Hey,
2: thanks for, thanks for getting me out of bed. You know, <laughs> we, we're up, we're pacing around. I'm the getting, I'm getting my steps in on my Fitbit. Yeah. Look at as you say. I wear a lot of hats, and like looking into my office is just overflowing with wigs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, now we've got a, a new original series that uh, that started back on the ninth on Nickelodeon called Middlemost Post. I've, tr- <laughs> I've I've tried it about five times. That's the first time I got it right. But Becky, tell us about the feedback from the new series.
2: Ah, it's been good so far. It's been so funny that the different different. Ages of people. The show's really made for everyone. There's a little sum for everyone. On the last interview I just did, the guys were like, "It's sounding a little bit like how I realized Scooby Doo was an acid trip later on <laughs> down the road." And I was like, "You know what? You, you know what? You're not. If you're not wrong." And I don't want to get in trouble for saying that, but it is the most colorful, explosive, hilarious show, and the the team behind it. They're just so talented, and I voiced this this little Nimbus, Parker J. Cloud we got a little rainbow unitard and Parker's kind of a reformed rain cloud comes from the dark side. You know, Like a lot of us have our, our dark past or skeletons in the closet, but then kind of decide I don't want to be dark anymore. So it turns into this like bursting rainbow meets up with a, uh, with kind of the mailman of the sea who's voiced by John DiMaggio, who is <laughs> one of the most amazing voice actors and just funniest improvisers. And, And then they got this magic walrus and the three of them form this kind of just land of misfit toys postal service called uh, the Middlemost Post on top of Mount Middlemost, which is full of really wacky characters. And, you know, they go on all these adventures and get in trouble and do a bunch of crazy things. And yeah, it's just kind of the story of that adventure.
0: For you, how did you go from from stand up and and writing and all that into voice acting? I, I, I mean, is it was it an easy transition?
2: yeah i i've always done characters ever since i was a little turtle i've been i've always looked up to mike myers and robin williams and you know i'm the youngest of three so i watched all the movies i shouldn't have early on and just you know like to like to impersonate you know certain characters and things that were not right and so you know from a young age i kind of was always doing voices and trying to make people laugh and even if it was just pulling my bathing suit up my butt and going, look at this, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, kid stuff. Like, hey guys, look at my butt. <laughs> you know, you do when you're a little kid. And, uh, and then, I don't know, I think when you're a comic too, I don't know if everyone has this, but from the second I wake up, I'm doing like 12 voices. I'm brushing my teeth and I'm like saying weird things. And anybody probably thinks I'm highly unwell mentally. <laughs> um, you know, room- roommates in the past are like maybe medication and then the first time I walked in a Nickelodeon and saw like you know all the characters and all the color I was like oh okay there's a place for this mania and there's a <laughs> place for these voices and it just kind of really felt like you know it felt like home and um, and then auditioning for the character sometimes I audition for girl characters and they're like oh you do sound a little bit more like a boy you know people tell me that I sound like a rug rat going through puberty or Johnson Taylor Thomas after a rough night out so <laughs> And, you know, they're not wrong. You know, I've got this voice. I've got chin hair. I've got high testosterone. Like, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know if it's because I bathed in the wrong water growing up, but, um, this is my voice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it just, uh, from early on, it was kind of like, okay, you know, Tommy Pickles was voiced by a woman. Mm-hmm. I, they like to cast these the young boys as, as women because our voices, you know, don't change, <laughs> <laughs> um, as men's do. So um, my mom really pushed me into doing voiceover because she's a little raspy as well. And she just thought, you know, I think she thought like, please stop doing stand up. Like they, they were just, <laughs> they wanted anything but stand up, You know, they were like, please don't be a comedian. It's just dark. And then you're on the road and there's drugs and booze. And, and so they didn't want that, you know, and they're kind of the classic parents that are like, yeah, entertainment's not a career. And well, have you called SNL? Have you asked them? If, you know, they ask like, all the wrong questions and you're just like okay that's not how it works <laughs> so my mom really pushed me to like kinda, you know kind of do voiceover and so i kept auditioning and and finally found this you know i've done some other things but this role has just been so special because i've i've done characters on stage for a long time and my character in the show really has this ability to transform into any shape it wants which i think is you don't know, have to get too sentimental but you know, a lot of times people are like, figure out who you are and like just be that person. And I think it's kind of cool to like wake up every day and be like, oh, I can be whatever I want, whenever I want. You know, love a guy, love a girl. Like I was historically straight. Now I'm dating a woman. Boom. Okay, there it is. You know, <laughs> it's like just love. As long as you're spreading love and not hurting anyone, you know, it's it's okay. And uh, you know, I think as long as we just look out for each other, you know, and we and we try to help people for the better that's that's going to just help make everything better. And that's what the show really stands for. And that's really something I try to do, you know, with, with what I say on stage and, you know, and so, um, yeah, the show is kind of meant for parents to watch with kids. You know, it's got those jokes that you'll look back on when you're a kid and be like, Oh, they were saying that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I think there's a little something for everyone and, um, Yeah.
0: Now, the uh, again, the series Middlemost Post, and Becky, for you, this last year, being a, a com- comedian and, and a writer, has has the writing, the, the comedy, been harder to find that inspiration, or did you find it a little easier because of all that's going on?
2: Oof, so back and forth. You know, some days good, some days bad. I remember, you know, the first couple days when I went, out, so I went up to Oregon, because my, my sister is a nurse, and my parents were up in Oregon, and she was like, yeah, you got to come home. Things could get really bad here. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing anything in LA, you know, what, am, what am I doing? You know, a, a $2 a set for chicken tenders at the improv. No, I'm coming home. Everything was shut down. So I went home and it was, there were many, many dark days, you know, I think, uh, you know, there were some days where I was like, I, is it okay if I have a glass of wine at noon? Um, <laughs> but then, you know, after, after a couple, you know, cause it's like, we're not doing anything. You know, we, we were looking at time in a way we never had before. And, uh, and I think it was, there were dark days and then there were days where, you know, I just like anything like, you know, where any joke comes from, you take that darkness and you're like, you kind of just have to laugh at it. Or I have, I have to, in order to, to get through it, you know? So I look back on those days now and I'm like, wow, I, I remember, you know, when we were first in lockdown and it was like, you were really scared to even step outside of Mm your house. Uh, I So, I was staying with my sister who was going to the hospital every day and coming home. And I went I to try and like help cook her meals and stuff. But I'm putting myself in the direct line of fire, you know? I'm like, okay, here's your salmon. Please don't give me COVID. Uh, get in the shower. <laughs> Just throwing her in the shower. But I remember like, you know, she, she'd be gone all day. And so, like, I remember like walking to the store to like get a bottle of wine at noon and being like, I can't believe I'm. I'm risking my life for a bottle of Cabernet at noon. Um, but you know, now I look back and I'm like, that's just, you know, it's nice to, you know, thank God I've I've made it through and be able to kind of talk about it. And, and, you know, I think we have to all share our experiences because it was, it was, you know, something that's never happened before. Um, I'm still really writing about all of it and trying to make sense of it, but I'm starting a new tour, uh, in August called the heavy pour tour. And, uh, we're going all across the nation. And, um, you know, one thing that really helped during the pandemic was I was around my parents for the first time, uh, you know, in 12 years since I had left for college, you know, you Mm -hmm. leave for college for a reason. I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to LA, baby. Okay. I'm going to be, I'm going to make it, you know? And, uh, my parents were like, good luck, kiddo. And, um, I, uh, my dad was, you know, a lot of people, one of the only things that was open was golf. So my dad would go golfing like every day and in, in his way, he was he thought he was like fighting COVID by wearing a golf glove on both <laughs> hands. <laughs> he was like, I I am being the safest I could ever be. And of course my mom is just livid the whole time, you know. She's just like, you know what? I am ready for COVID to be over. I want to go a happy hour <laughs> with the girls and do this and that. And so I'm just like, I'm in the house, I'm, you know, I'm 30 and I'm like hearing all of this and I'm trying to do my voiceover into the family dog kennel. And, and eventually I just, I created this character called Entitled Housewife that I started doing throughout the pandemic. And that was the first time I like was able to laugh at something I had like written, you know, cause a lot of times you make stuff and you're like, I suck. I'm the worst. This is crap. Like, I don't want to <laughs> release this. I don't know. You know, is it okay to release stuff? but I was laughing so hard at the video that I was like, I'm just going to put this out. And, and it, I guess struck a chord. And so now we have this character entitled housewife. And, uh, I think she's going to the masters this year. <laughs> she has a song out on the radio called mama needs a claw. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be a big part of my, my upcoming tour. the heavy tour tour. So I'm just, I'm excited. It's going to be some, like some meet and greet golf stuff. And, uh, with the housewives, you know, and, the VIP members all get these giant pink visors. So I think (laughs) doing characters and, and kind of trying to poke fun at at everything and like make people realize how ridiculous a lot of it was, was really helpful and kind of like therapy throughout the pandemic. So good, good days and bad.
0: (laughs) That's that's right. Now, Becky, if folks want to find not only more information about the series, the, uh, the upcoming tour and everything else you've got going, where's the best place to, to keep up with all that?
2: Oh sure well I've got uh, my website Not cocky at all Becky Robinson great dot com um, <laughs> Becky dot com was taken It was taken by a cat woman um, And then if anyone's on Instagram or TikTok I'm at uh, Becky Robinson 4 With the you know we got the little blue
0: Verification mark so you know we've made it now there <laughs> That's where you can find me That's awesome I, I truly appreciate your time again I, I wish you continued success And uh, hopefully we'll catch you when you're out on the road I'd love nothing more. Thank you so much. Now, is there one month of the year that you hate more than every other month? Well, most of us do have one, according to a recent poll, but July is not a very common answer. Only 3% of people said July is their least favorite month. That's on par with most months, but four different months stood out. Our least favorite month of the year is January 19% of people said it's the worst followed by February at 15% and third on the list is next month 10% of adults say that August sucks the most maybe because it's back to school month December is fourth at 7% so not everyone loves the holidays and March is fifth with 4% of the vote. Now, 26% of Americans don't have a least favorite month, and 2% couldn't decide which one they hated the most. Last week was Discovery Shark Week. We've got uh, a couple of those episodes we'll key in on. Also, a new book called Still Alive, A Wildlife of Rediscovery. We've got Forrest Galante on the line with us today. And first off, Forrest, I appreciate you taking some time.
3: Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime I can chat sharks, I'm in.
0: <laughs> there you go. And uh, and Forrest, after last week, I mean, did you, How excited are you to be a part of of Shark Week and the wild phenomenon that that has become over the last years?
3: Oh my God, it's it, 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 it's, it's a dream come true. So I was born in 1988. Shark Week started in 1988. It's literally <laughs> been you know my third parent. Uh, it's been around as long as I have. And uh, you know as a kid I, I absolutely adored it and admired it and as an adult to be a part of it is a, is a great privilege. It's my third year in a row um, doing you know shows for Shark Week and it's, it's, it's an absolute privilege.
0: And as a biologist and a wildlife explorer, it's not just sharks that you're that you're chasing after to find more info about either is it?
3: No, I have a, a longstanding show on Animal Planet called Extinct or Alive, and I'm a wildlife biologist. So my specialty is focusing I, – I, I'm like the hide-and-seek champ. So I focus <laughs> on finding animals that are that are hard to find, that are uh, sometimes wrongfully deemed extinct, edge-of-extinction kind of stuff, critically endangered. You know, uh, in, in these Shark Weeks, I look for – well, in, in one of the shows, two sharks that uh, – Basically, nobody else was capable of getting in the water and tracking down because of the conditions due to the, it was up in the Arctic. And then the other one was looking for a legendary 50 foot long black shark that fishermen had been reporting off of the coast of Baja, Mexico. So yeah, two very fun shows.
0: And Forrest, how much prep do you have to take? Uh, Talk about the hours of prep before actually putting the toes in the water, if you will.
3: Oh my goodness! It's the thing that people never, never understand and never get to see. Those two shows that aired last Friday uh, were what my last year consisted of. Period. So that was <laughs> what I accomplished last year, and uh, and um, that came with hundreds of hours of of research. So what I like to explain to people. It's for every 44 minutes of television you see, because that's what an hour-long show is, (laughs) that is the result of weeks in the field, months of preparation, and years of research all coming together. And it's, um, yes, it's a lot of effort.
0: Now, now for us, this last year, with everybody being kind of separated, has that allowed wildlife expeditions maybe to go a a little easier, or has it made it a little bit more difficult because of the lack of bodies uh, able to do the work?
3: 10 times more difficult, um, especially for me, because I I focus all over the world. I don't just work here in the United States. So uh, if things have become 10 times more difficult. You know, now, like my crew and I were looking into uh, a project in the Philippines, and in order to do, just for, just for fun, just to give you an idea of what we have to deal with at the moment, in order to do that, even though everybody's vaccinated, we all have to, fly into the Philippines, go into a two-week government quarantine, then get assigned a government agent who will, and not leave that government quarantine for two weeks, then get assigned a government agent who will stay with us to make sure that we're not uh, at risk of contacting or spreading COVID onto anybody we work with, even though we would then go, you know, 30 miles out into the jungle where there's nobody around just before we're able to even begin the expedition. So things like that have made uh, this work very, very challenging because people don't, you know, my crew and I don't have two weeks to sit in a government facility <laughs> right. before we get started on the work. You know, it's just, we don't have that kind of time. Some of these projects require immediate attention. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's just become a real challenge in the last year.
0: And talk about the challenges you talked about, uh, extinct or alive jaws of Alaska. I mean, is that maybe something that people were surprised by is the sharks in the Arctic waters as well?
3: Um, I, I think that people don't realize that there are sharks, you know, up under the icebergs. I think people think sharks and they think the Bahamas or the Caribbean or, or what have you. So it was nice to be able to go up there and showcase these incredible animals that get very little sort of recognition and recognition and exposure.
0: That's cool. Now, Forrest, I do want to make sure I mention the, the book, Still Alive, A Wildlife of, of Rediscovery. When did when did the book itself start taking form for you?
3: Well, <laughs> funny, funny. it's a perfect topic based on what we're discussing. Um, I, uh, I got kicked out of the country of Indonesia, and rightfully so, by COVID uh, in March of 2020. Uh, literally got one of the last flights out before they closed Indonesia, which is still yet to reopen, got home and was like, holy crap, you know, that was that was nuts. I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to be traveling to work anymore. And I just thought to myself, this might be the first opportunity I've had in a long time to sit down and really sort of put, you know, pen to paper and, and be able to tell people about things like how COVID is affecting wildlife work, things like the the months and the years of research and the months of planning that we just just discussed those are things that you don't get to see on tv or you don't get to hear about so i just sat down you know right at the start of covid and uh fortunately for me but not unfortunately for the world covid kept going long enough for me to uh be able to finish writing the book
0: (laughs) time timing worked out well at least for you this time around right
3: that's right, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, Forrest, I do want to give our, our listeners more information. If they want to find uh, the book, Still Alive, A Wildlife Rediscovery, and also the uh, Extinct or Alive, a Mystery of the Black Demon Shark, also uh, available via streaming as well.
3: That's right, yep. The, uh, the, all the shows that I make are live in one home these days, and they live there in perpetuity, which is incredible. It's an app called Discovery Plus. If you don't have it, you've got to get it all your favorite shows, everything from shark week, all in one place on discovery plus and the book's still alive. Lots of fun to write so far. So good. People seem to be enjoying it. You can get it literally anywhere books are sold.
0: That's good stuff. Well, Forrest Galante, it has been truly a privilege to have the chance to visit with you. I wish you a great week and uh, continued success. Hopefully we'll catch up again real soon.
3: Beautiful. Thank you so much.
0: Now, obviously, you could get arrested for driving a car while drunk, but probably not driving a remote control car while drunk. And now we're starting to hash out the middle ground between the two. A man in Japan was arrested for flying a drone while under the influence, which actually is illegal in Japan, as well as several other areas, including New Jersey. Now, it happened a few weeks back. He's a 56 year old man and he drank eight beers between 7 a.m. and noon. The morning drinking had a wild effect on him because he decided to clean his place. And in the process, he found a drone that he hadn't flown in a while. Well, he got it out, took it for a spin and promptly crashed it into a neighbor's window. Thankfully, it sounds like no one was hurt and when the police came, the man admitted to drinking and droning. Now, it's unclear how he might be punished. The law hasn't been on the books long, and supposedly he's the first guy to be busted for it. But offenders could face a fine of up to around $2,700. Do you know her as an actress, as a director, but also podcaster? Got a new podcast to talk about, Aftershock. We've got Sarah Wayne Callies on the line with us. And first off, Sarah, really appreciate you taking some time.
4: Oh, Cameron, thank you so much for giving me a chance to talk about this. This project is my baby, and I'm very grateful to you.
0: Now, t- tell us, where did the idea for Aftershock, was it somebody else coming to you with the idea, or was it something that you came up with on your own?
4: No, somebody brought me the idea, actually. Um, this uh, young adult fiction writer named Patrick Harmon brought this idea to me, and the idea was, what would happen if an island rose up out of the ocean? And I thought, well, that's a really good question. Um <laughs> I grew up on an island that rose up out of the ocean. Uh, I grew up in Hawaii and we have lots of stories about where the island came from and they're amazing stories. And I thought, well, you know, an opportunity to explore kind of a creation story and um, the story of the new frontier in the modern era. What an amazing story to tell. So I started kind of trying to populate it with the people that I thought might go there. Um I mean, to back up, so the way it starts (laughs) is, uh, I know, I realize that's like all of a sudden this weird intellectual answer. So the way the whole thing starts is um, the the earthquake that everybody's always been afraid of, that they always say is coming to Southern California, Mm -hmm. it comes. It levels LA, reduces the city to rubble. And 13 miles off the coast in international waters, an island rises up out of the sea. And the character I play, Cassie, has a personal tragedy. Um, In that earthquake that eventually takes her out to the island. And so Aftershock is kind of the story of the island and who goes there and what they're running from and what they're running to and the things they have to atone for and how the cave full of dead bodies got there. And we unwind the mystery from there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and and sarah how how different is the storytelling in podcast format as opposed to the visuals i mean how much more intricate does the does the planning have to be i should say
4: well you know it's a really interesting um it's a really interesting set of challenges because on the one hand there are certain things like you really shouldn't have more than four people in a scene at a time because you won't know who's talking right and you don't have establishing shots so you've got to find a way of telling the audience where you are without starting every scene going, thank you for joining me here on this battleship. (laughs) I'm glad we can sit together and watch the sunrise. Right? So there's those kinds of things. But then on the flip side of it, I get to engage people's imaginations Mm. and there's, there's nothing more powerful on earth. I don't care how much money you throw at a Marvel movie. You're not going to be able to match the imaginative power of somebody's mind. And that's because our minds are individual. Mm-hmm. Our minds carry our experiences, our fears, our aspirations. And so they layer all of that into the podcast as you create the images, um, for the story we're telling, which is amazing. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. We made this thing on a shoestring budget and it's got the most incredible visuals in the world because they come out of everybody's brain.
0: And Sarah, does this also inspire you in your other creative processes as well, seeing how the audio transfers to the listeners?
4: A thousand percent. I mean, you know, for me, creatively, this is one of the most exciting things I've ever done because I've never had a bigger hand in something. I co-created it. I wrote it. I directed it. I produced it. I cast it. I'm acting in it. Um... I've gotten to bring characters to life that I've always wanted to see. You know, I wrote this Hawaiian activist named Lei that Janelle Parrish plays so beautifully. I've always wanted to see Lei because I grew up with her because I grew up in Hawaii. But she's Mm -hmm. she's not in modern storytelling right now because we don't have a whole lot of storytellers from Hawaii. So to be able to do that kind of work was unbelievably fulfilling. I loved every minute of it.
0: And did the time down the pandemic, was that all uh, a help in the process of uh, of creation as well?
4: Um, I mean, I'll be real honest. No, (laughs) because, you know, look, I got all these great actors to come on board. Um, You know, I mean, I pillaged friends of mine from Walking Dead, from Prison Break, from Council of Dads. Dave Harbour and I went to college together. And my pitch to them was, okay, I don't have any money to pay you, really. You have to take all the zeros off your paycheck. But you can come to work in your pajamas. It'll be one day in a studio (laughs) in New York or L.A. and it'll be over with. And we did that. We did a recording session in New York. We did a recording session in L.A. The one in L.A. was March 8th of 2020. And then we had to do the rest of the season mailing people microphones, asking them to download software, sit in their closet, put all their pillows on the floor and cover their heads with a duvet. And that was less fun for them. (laughs) Um, So I feel kind of bad about, not to mention our poor editor, you know, Jeff Schmidt did the best sound design imaginable for this. And rather than having like five simple sessions in a professional studio, I was like, so here's the inside of Dave's closet. Rockman Dunbar had to record in the trunk of his car. Um, It was a challenge, but, you know, people, storytellers just make it work. You know, like, that we just made it work and uh, it's never perfect, but hopefully it's a little better than perfect. It's unique and it's moving. Hopefully that compensates for our flaws. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and Sarah, for you to have the the feedback and, and for them to read the script and, and still want to be involved with the pay, the limited pay, like you were talking about, how gratifying is that for you in that process as well?
4: Oh my God. Um, yeah. You just, you just, put your finger on something that was really uh unexpected for me I you know I asked folks to get involved and then had to send them the script and my heart would be in my throat until I heard back from them because you know I'm sending a script to Dave Harbour who's you know (laughs) who's getting (laughs) scripts for the Black Widow and you know some of the best screenwriters out there um you know he's been in all kinds of really extraordinary films with really wonderful filmmakers and here i am being like hi remember me we were in directing class together in college i wrote this little podcast uh and and that was actually that was even nothing compared to recording them together Mm. and hearing them say the lines the first time it happened i could barely breathe i was like oh my god if this is terrible I have no one to blame but
1: myself.
4: <laughs> it's going to be all my fault, and I'll never be able to look my friends in the eye again. It was, <laughs> it was excruciating.
0: But it it did turn out. And uh, again, you can pick up the podcast anywhere you pick up podcasts. And and Sarah Wayne Callies, I want to make sure and and let our listeners know where they can find not only more information about the podcast, but all the other stuff you got going social media wise as well.
4: Um, yeah, I mean the podcast. New episodes drop every Wednesday um, on iHeart or wherever you get your podcasts. And, I mean, I'm on social media. It's just my name, Sarah Wayne Callies. Um, on Instagram, I think Twitter, it's Sarah W. Callies because someone else has my name. Okay? <laughs> um and I think it's Sarah Wayne Kelly's on Facebook too, although will be honest, I haven't logged on to Facebook in like a year. Uh, so it
0: happens. It I'm happens. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, it has been great to visit with you. Looking forward to checking out the new episodes as they arrive as well. And hopefully you have a great rest of your week.
4: Thank you so much, Cameron. You have a good one too. Hopefully we both change out of our PJs before the <laughs> end of the day. <laughs>
0: Now, billionaires seem to be the news more and more, especially now that they're all becoming fake astronauts. But do we really like these people? According to a new poll, the answer is mostly meh. Now Oprah appears to be our most liked billionaire with 45% favorability, but another 45% of respondents view her unfavorably. The rest just said they didn't know. Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are viewed favorably by 41% of Americans, but Bill's unfavorability is 46% and Warren's is 30%. Elon Musk ranked 39% favorable, 37% unfavorable, and Richard Branson is viewed favorably 34% to 23%. The rest on the list have higher unfavorable ratings than favorable, they are Jeff Bezos, mark zuckerberg and george soros zuckerberg had the highest unfavorability ranking of them all at 60 percent our next guest on the show i'd like to call him a friend of the show and first concert i ever went to i saw this guy with the booming bass voice that uh, i've been following ever since from the Oak Ridge boys good friend richard sturbin on and uh, first off richard thank you again so much for your time
5: well, thank you so much you know, for, for coming, for, for allowing me to talk to you and to all your fine listeners out there. So I'm certainly looking forward to it.
0: And Richard, you guys had a great timing on the, the press release I got about an hour ago. The new music video, Love, Light and Healing, is now available, premiered on CMT. And Richard, new music coming out of pandemic times. What's it like this time around for you, my friend?
5: Well, you know, it's pretty exciting. You know, we last year was a tough year. You know, for everyone. You know, not just the Oakridge boys. You know, uh, we, you know, what we do for a living was taken away from us, so, and, and and so it was it was a kind of it's kind of a tough thing to deal with, you know. And not just us, but the whole music business. It you know, was kind of shut down, and not just the music business. I think everyone in every walk of life has been affected by this thing. But one of the good things we were able to do during our time off was go into the studio and record a new project you know even the recording studios here in nashville were shut down for a while mm-hmm. you know uh, and, but 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 gradually they started to open up and we are now being produced by dave cobb you know that if, if, if that name rings a bell is because <laughs> he really he's really one of the hot guys in Nashville right now. You know, he, he's very, very much in demand and he's done, you know, the last several projects on the Oak Ridge boys. Now he called us up and he said, you know, the studios are, I've are, opened RCA studio. A where He, he records. He said, it is, uh, it, it's now opening up. And we can work again. We just have to be very careful about social distancing and keeping uh, all the protocols in mind. And, But we were able to we were able to record an album, and I remember him telling us, you know, he says, "What I want to do, fellas," he said, "I want to try to create the feeling of four guys just kind of gathering on a front porch and just singing and harmonizing in a very informal way, a very down to earth kind of way, very little structure to it, just just very very relaxed." And, and and that's what we were able to do. You know, Dave Cobb is a master of capturing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He he's he's so good at taking old songs and making them sound new and fresh, you know, and and, and he's done that with the Oak Ridge boys. On this project, we uh we uh, we have some great old familiar songs that people will recognize that they can sing along to uh we found some great old gospel songs that you know a few songs that we sang we up singing you know, as kids in church and in sunday school and then with dave cobb having the relationship that he has with the new young songwriters here in nashville they wrote a, a couple of brand new country songs, especially for this project. And the song that you're talking about, you know, uh, Love, Light, and Healing, so the video is being debuted today on CMT. That is an example of one of the new songs that was r- written, especially for this project, you know. And, and we're happy with the way it turned out. You know, it has a great mixture and a great balance of old old and new, mm-hmm. old, some old country, some new country, some old gospel, some new gospel. But I think the most important thing is we were able to re- uh, record an album that is very inspirational in nature. I think it's a perfect album for the times in which we live. You know, it's, the songs are all very healing, very healing in nature. And, and we were happy the way, with the way it turned out. It's called Front Porch Singing. And I think it's important to note that it's not singing with a G, it's singing. There is a difference. <laughs> but, but we were able to capture, we were able to capture that on this project. We really were. And we're proud of it. It's available wherever you buy music, wherever you download music off the internet. It's available. Uh, you know, it's, if you have crack, and I'm sure you do, I'm sure you have cracker barrel restaurants in your area. Uh, it's, it's available there. And one of the cool things about this project, it is available on vinyl as well. So, which is kind of a cool thing. So, a lot of people nowadays are interested in vinyl. So, so it's it's, it's available in vinyl as well. But we're proud of it, you know. And and uh, if you're an Oak Ridge voice fan, you got to have this project. because it's, it's 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 really an album for for the times in which we live.
0: And, and Richard, I was checking out the video before we came on "Love, Light, and Healing," and and it's got that authentic feel and and the wording of this song, like you mentioned. Just a moment ago, Richard, the timing on this couldn't be much better for the story of the song. Well,
5: it's, and it was written by two young songwriters in Nashville. Here, right? they I think they have a pulse of what. Well, yeah, you know, they actually wrote the song "Social Distancing," and they were not together when they wrote it. You know, but they they came up with a message I think that we really, really need to hear right now, and it's a very appropriate for the times in which we live
0: the album front porch singing and did this kind of for you take you back a little bit down memory lane in the in the process of recording this one
5: well it, it kind of did you know we we kind of recorded this album kind of like we used to do in the old days and dave cobb loves that sort of thing you know dave, dave cobb was raised like we were you know we we were all we were all raised in christian homes we were made. We were made to go to church, whether we wanted to or not. But, but, I, but I think that I I think that's a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. I think that training that you get when you're young stays with you when you get older. So I think it's a good thing. Dave Cobb was raised that way himself. You know, his mother was a preacher, so he he likes to get back into the the old fashioned way of doing things. And I remember uh, this. Is, I'll try to make this story quick. This is a great example of kind of how some of this album was recorded. I remember one day we walked into the studio, and I remember Dave Cobb saying, "Fellas, if you guys were on the bus and you were getting ready for a show, uh, and, and you wanted to warm up, on, on, you know, something kind of harmonize on the bus while you were getting ready, what would you sing?" You know, he says it does not have to be a hit, uh, you know, or something recorded, just something that you would harmonize along on. And and immediately Duane, you know, or our listener, he started singing, Why don't you swing down sweet chariot? Stop <laughs> stop it and let me ride. So, and that's an old spiritual that we've known for years, but we never recorded it. Immediately the four of us joined in and we started harmonizing. Dave Cobb said, That's it. He said, Get to the microphones right now. You know, there was no band there, it was just the four Oak Ridge boys. He happened that the bass player happened to be there, so he played along on the bass just to kind of keep us together and to keep us on pitch. But, you know, we had no idea when we walked through the door that we were going to record that song that day. We were there probably an hour and it was a done deal. A very, very impromptu informal way of recording. But I, I think that that's a good example of how, how this album was done. You know, very little music, mainly the four voices out front, you know, and, and and we're really, like I said, we're really happy with the way it turned out.
0: Richard, whenever you guys are working on a project now, I mean, how long does it take to find the vocals that matches? Is, is that just something that comes together just naturally now because of the, the length of time you guys have been together?
5: Well, I think, I think that is certainly a factor. You know, we, this foursome, you know, has been together for almost... 50 years, which is hard to believe, and a couple of the guys, Dwayne and, and William Lee Golden, have been in the group for more than 50 years, mm-hmm. but we know each other so well. Over the years, we have become the best of friends. We really have. you know. Each guy in the group is different. You know, Each guy brings something different to the table, but I think that's a big part of our appeal, really, uh, but, but we've learned to uh, overlook the differences. And to to accept the differences, and I think we all realized a long time ago that that we need each other. You know, so so we pull together as a team. You know, we're a true brotherhood, and the fact that we know each other so well, I think, helps us when it comes to to singing harmony. You know, I, I think it's it, it's important to be able to sing in harmony, but it's even more important to live in harmony. And mm. when you're living in harmony, it makes it easier to sing in harmony. <laughs> if that makes any sense, you know, and, and so. so uh, and now, now, yes, sometimes we have to sit down and pound out some of the harmony parts. You know, we're human; we don't fall into everything very easily. But a lot of times we do, and that spiritual that I was talking about a few minutes ago, "Swing Down Sweet Cherry," we 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 knew that song; we we fell right into that. You know, and like I say, it was it was done in less than an hour. You know, <laughs> but but there are a few other songs there where we had to sit and work on some of the parts. You know, but. But for, for the most part, you know, we know each other so well that harmonizing together is really not much of a problem for the Oak Ridge Boys.
0: You've, you've done it all by now, right, Richard?
5: Well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the, the good thing, let me, let me say this, the good thing about this is the fact that we, at this point in our lives and at this point in our career, we still do not plan to retire. You know, I, I, I think health is the key to our future. I think as long as the good Lord above allows the Oak Ridge boys to experience good health, you're, you're going to see us out here doing it. We're going to continue to record new music and it, because it's really what we love doing. It really is.
0: And Richard, what is it about the music, the, the the traveling, the fan interaction that keeps it still so new and so fresh? I mean, I remember when we visited at CMA Fest. I think it was about six or seven years ago, and I remember Joe coming up after the uh, the autograph signing, and he was so excited about the boomerang that a fan brought. I mean, what is it that keeps the the excitement fresh for you guys?
5: Well, I think I think you touched on several of the reasons right there while you were. While you are actually asking the question. You know, and I think first and foremost is is the fact that we love doing what we do. There's no doubt about it. We look forward to getting on stage, you know, taking our music live to our fans and to our audiences. But the fans, you know, you mentioned the fans. You know, during the pandemic, one of the things we've missed as much as anything is the feedback Mm. that we get from, from our fans and from the audiences. We live for that. And that, that makes what we do, uh, fun. It, it doesn't make it, it, it's not work. You know, it doesn't make it seem like it's a job. It makes it fun that the feedback that we get from our fans and, yeah, you know, when we walk on stage and when people go crazy, it, you know, if you can't perform under those kinds of circumstances, you probably need to find <laughs> something else to do. <laughs> and, you know, we had a, a kind of just reminded me, we had a great experience about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago now. You know, we're, we're members of the Grand Old Opry, as mm-hmm. you probably know. And we, we performed for the first show at the Opry where they allowed 100% capacity. And I'll never forget, just about su- six weeks ago now, we walked out on stage to a house full of people for the first time in over a year. And boy, what a feeling that was, you know, to see a house full of people, hear people out there cheering and responding. Well, I think we realized that night that, you know, I think we are now heading in the right direction. I think we are turning the corner on this thing. And sure enough, since then, you know, we have played several dates and we've had some great crowds. You know, people are coming out and I think people are ready to come out and hear live music again, you know, and that makes us feel good. Several times during the pandemic, you know, we played the Opry with no audience. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that that was a strange thing, you know. And we realized then how important an audience really is to a show. So that night at the Opry, we got the feeling that, you know, we are heading in the right direction. And now for the rest of this year, we're going to be very busy from the 1st of August on through Christmas. You know, we're going to be traveling quite a bit all over the country, doing what it is that we love best. And that's you know, performing our music and experiencing that feeling, that feedback from our fans.
0: And you mentioned there the Grand Ole Opry, getting ready to celebrate your 10th anniversary. And I know you've got, had a lot of milestones in the career. And I know that that 10-year anniversary at the Grand Ole Opry, I mean, that's just such a staple of country music. Talk about how much that means to you as well.
5: Well, it is very meaningful. You know, there's a couple of things that stand out in my mind, you know, being inducted into as members of the Grand Ole Opry, and of course, being inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Those two things—it's you know, hard to, it's almost hard to describe. You know, find the right words to describe how special it is to be a part of both of those—the Grand Ole Opry and as well as the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, now, as you mentioned, here coming up in, in, in just another week or so, we are going to be celebrating our 10th anniversary of being inducted into the country mu- or into the Grand Old Opry is what I'm trying to say. And I will never forget that that night that we found out that we were going to be members of the Grand Old Opry. Over the course of the years even though we were not members of the Opry, we played the Opry several times. Mm-hmm. And we were playing the Opry and 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 I remember we, we did one of our songs. I think it was y'all come back saloon. Our first hit ever. But after the song, we had, you know, the usual great Opry response that we always get when we play the Grand Ole Opry. But then the audience would not quit applauding. There was was a commotion that continued out in the audience, and we couldn't figure it out. And we (laughs) looked around, and here came came, little Jimmy Dickens, who, as you know, is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. He's gone on a few years ago. But back then, he came out on stage dressed as William Lee Golden. (laughs) You know, he had this big cowboy <laughs> hat on. He had the dark sun, and he had this long, fake, gray beard. You know, <laughs> he came out on stage, and I think Joe, Joe Bonzo said, uh, Little Jimmy, you look like you could be one of the Oak Ridge Boys tonight. He said, Well, fellas, I'm, uh, not only am I one of the Oak Ridge Boys, but I'm here to tell you that you guys are about to become the newest members of the Grand Old Opera." That's how we found out about it. It was a total surprise. And, you know, I don't think there was a dry eye in the group. You know, we, it was such an emotional thing. And now, when we walk through the door of that building, uh, as members, you, you know, you really have a sense of that you belong. Uh, what a great family of artists that is. And for the Oak Ridge Boys to belong to that family at the great Grand old Opry is such a special thing. It really is almost beyond words.
0: <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, things in history, you, I know you sat down and, and penned a book with Stephen Robinson called uh, Elvis to Elvira, my life on stage. And, and for you, Richard, how hard of a process was was the writing as opposed to the, the, the performing that you've been so accustomed to over the years?
5: Well, let me let me say, tell you this. I am not a writer. <laughs> and I do not pretend I do not pretend to be a writer I really don't but you know uh you know prior to joining the Oak Ridge Boys for about two years I sang in a group called J.D. Sumner in the Stamps Quartet mm-hmm. and for about a year and a half of that time I had the opportunity the privilege really of singing with the king uh, the king of rock and roll Elvis and you know over the years when people would find out that I used to sing with Elvis, they kept asking me this, you know, question. What was it like working with Elvis? You know, what kind of a guy was Elvis? You know, tell us some Elvis stories. And you no, know, I so I, I was I spent so much time talking about that that I decided one day, you know, maybe even though I'm not a writer, <laughs> maybe I should try to write some maybe I should try to write some of this down. So what I did, I got together with a good friend of mine. Steve Robinson, you mentioned his name. He is a great writer, and he is probably the best Elvis historian that I think I know. He knows everything that there is you know, about Elvis. And and I, I approached him one day. I said, you know, I I, I think I would write a uh, you know like to write a book about my experiences with Elvis. Would you be glad to help me? He he could not wait to do it. And so we spent about a year uh, putting the book, the project together. And you know, it, it was pretty easy on my part. I just I just talked. <laughs> I, I would meet with him, and he he had this little recorder, and I just talked into his little recorder, and he did all the writing, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but but probably the most difficult thing was to remember everything that happened back in those days. <laughs> you know, we interviewed several people, we we talked to people that were there back in those days, and and together with their interviews and with what I remembered, we tr- we tried to be as factual as possible. So if you are an Elvis fan. There are great Elvis stories in the book. If you are an Oak Ridge Boys fan, there's great Oak Ridge Boys stories in the book. And it's really my personal story. It's kinda of, it's kind of interesting. I go back to my childhood and I talk about the very first singing that I ever did. And this is hard to believe, I know, but I was a boy soprano. Wow. that, that is a fact. <laughs> and I talk about that and I you know, I I talk about my my uh you know, voice changing when I was in junior high school. And probably the most important part of the book, I talk about the, the, that decision I made in 1972 to leave Elvis and to join the Oak Ridge Boys. You know, I I was apparently on top of the world back then, but I had to make a decision. You know, when, when William Lee Golden called me up and he said the bass singer was leaving, uh, he offered you know, the Oak Ridge Boys offered me the job, I had to make a decision. And so, you know, you know, what do I do? Wow. And, and I, you know, I have to admit back then that I was also a big fan of the Oak Ridge Boys. And I loved the music they were making. And I felt like the group had a great deal of potential. So I made the decision in 1972 to leave Elvis and to join the Oak Ridge Boys. And, uh, you know, that was almost 50 years ago, which is hard to believe. And now that I look back, you know, in those 50 years, you know, I think back then I made a pretty good decision. <laughs> you know, because so many great things have not happened, to, not just me personally, but the four Oak Ridge boys. And I've kind of touched on some of it, you know, being inducted into the Grand Old Opry and certainly being inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. I never dreamed back then when I was singing with Elvis that someday I would be in the same Hall of Fame with them. But uh, it, now if you walk into the rotunda of the of the Country Music Hall of Fame here in Nashville, you will see the four faces of the Oak Ridge Boys in bronze, and right down the same wall there, just a little distance away, you will see Elvis, you know, and you will see Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton you know, and George Jones, you know. The list goes on and on. And to be a part of that family also is it, it, it is just beyond words.
0: And, Richard, not only to be included in that list, but to be high on that list of inspirations for the up-and-comers, the, the new groups. What does that mean to you as, as a member of the Oak Ridge Boys as well?
5: Well, you know, it means a lot. You know, we had a great experience. Uh, I don't know if this is what, if this, what you're referring to or not, but we had a great experience about two years ago. There's a, there's a group of young guys. They're called Home Free. <laughs> yep. and they're, they're 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 an acapella group, but they're a four part harmony group, very much like the Oak Ridge Boys, and they give the Oak Ridge Boys a lot of credit for inspiring them to do what they are now doing, and they are a real credit to our business. They really are. But they called us up a, a couple of years ago now, and they said they're recording Elvira, and they wanted to know if we would be on, uh, willing to sing Elvira with them. And we said, sure, you know, we'd be glad to. And I remember that day going into the studio and just hanging out with them all day. We had a lot of fun recording Elvira, you know, myself as well, and Tim, their, their young mm-hmm. bass singer. We kind of had a lot of fun, you know, kind of having a friendly battle of the bass singers. You know, it, it was really a lot of fun, but we got to know them a little bit and they're a great bunch of guys. And then a few weeks later, they decided to do a video on Hellfire on and they asked us once again if we would be on the video, and we said sure. So the very similar thing. We went to the studio. We hung out all day with, with them, got to know them even better, and shot a video. So it, 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 it was kind of a fun thing, and, and you know those guys are really a credit to our business. We've played some dates with them since then. And and, and we, we just enjoy being around them. It's a lot of fun for us older guys to be able to hang out with a bunch of young guys. <laughs> it, was, it was really kind of a great it was really kind of a great experience, it really was.
0: Love the take that uh, that you guys did with uh, Home Free Vocal Band. Love the work that they're doing as well. And Richard, I, uh, again, the new single, Love, Light, and Healing, the the video available on CMT. Also, the uh, the album, Front Porch Singing. And uh, Richard, I want to make sure and let our listeners know where to keep up with, uh, with everything Oak Ridge Boys as well.
5: Everything Oak Ridge Boys can be found on our website. Oak Ridge Boys, all one word, OakRidgeBoys.com. You know, if it, it's our schedule. For, if, if, we're, if we're coming anywhere close by you, you, know, you can find that out there. You know, Our new music is there. You know, uh, you, our history is there. You know, there's not a group that has more history than the Oak Ridge Boys. And you, know, you, you actually will see pictures of us when we were, believe it or not, we were young at one time. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see that there. You know, and just, just anything that you need to know about the Ridge Boys, including, you know, how to buy this new album. You know, it, 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 there's a link there that'll take you to where you can buy the new album, and and I might add, you know, if if, if you have Cracker Barrel restaurants close by you, and I have a feeling that you do, <laughs> uh, the, the 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 album is available at Cracker Barrel. And one thing cool about this new album, it's available on vinyl. You know, it really is. You know, and and it's and a lot of people are interested in vinyl nowadays, so it's available on vinyl as well. So you know it's called front porch singing, as we said, and you can you can get it wherever you know you download your music you know on the internet.
0: That's right. Well, Richard, again, I can't say thank you enough for your time. You've always been so accommodating for me over the years. I appreciate you again uh, taking the time today, and brother, I hope you have a great rest of your week and look forward to our next visit.
5: Well, Carmen, the same thing here. I enjoyed our conversation as always enjoy talking to your fine listeners you know you've been kind to the Oak Ridge Boys for many years you know and so so thank you very much my friend all of us appreciate that and we do not take it lightly so thank you and yes let's do it again sometime we'll we'll get Sandy Brokaw to book another interview someday down the road
0: well thanks again for joining us for this 112th episode in season two of good questions with Cameron Dole of course if you ever have a comment question anything else you'd like to know you can hit me up on the contact page at gqwithcam.com you can also find me on instagram twitter facebook and tiktok at gqwithcam if you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast you can visit our merch store where we've got hoodies shirts mugs tumblers stickers and more that's gqwithcam.com forward slash shop if you have a special guest idea Email me, gqwithcam at gmail.com. Well, thanks again to our good friend, Brandon Allen, for coming up with our theme music. We're going to let him play us out and hope you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday.